Welcome to the Consecrating Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Elena Aborto. Today, my guests are my older brother, Javier, and his wife, Stacy. Javier goes by the nickname Javi. Javi was born in San Francisco, California, and grew up in Orem, Utah. Stacy is also from Orem, and her family grew up in a home just a few blocks away from our family. Today, they talk about how they are able to make their marriage work as two very different people and how they have been able to raise their young children with righteous principles such as inclusion. So, enjoy the episode. So, <laughs> I'm Javier Alberto, brother of Elena Alberto, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Stacy Alberto. We've been married for coming up on 12 years now. And he doesn't usually sound this manly. He's, <laughs> he, he's a little congested today. <laughs> I do have a lower voice today, so we'll work with it. We live in Phoenix, Arizona. We've been down there for about 12 years now as well. No, actually, sorry, nine years. We've moved down there in May of 2012. And in May of 2013, we had our first baby, Enzo. He's eight years old. And in 2015, we had our second boy, uh, Leo. He's five. And Dax was born in February of 2019. So we have three boys living down in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. We love it. And that's all she wrote as far as children. <laughs> I, I was born and raised in Orem, Utah, and both my parents are from Oregon. How did you guys meet? <laughs> you want me to tell that detailed story? <laughs> no. um, we met through a mutual friend, Anthony. Shout out to Anthony Jenkins. Um, I saw Javi at church. I thought he was cute. I had her at hello. <laughs> he didn't even have to say anything. He had me. <laughs> And I knew Anthony, so I asked him if he could give me Javi's number. And then I, I started texting Javi. At the time he was, I think at the time I started texting you, he was on a date with another girl. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. Oh it didn't I was on a date, but I was not paying attention, obviously, to my date because I was texting Stacy. <laughs> We were, we were bowling, though, so it was easy <laughs> to do, you know, to do that. You just slid your phone out when it was her turn. Yeah. And then yeah. it was kind of inseparable since then. And But then after three weeks of dating, I went to Mexico for four months doing a service abroad. Yeah, I think that helped a lot to get to know each other, you it, know, because we had to talk on the phone and through email or Facebook Messenger. AOL. So we... You old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it helped our relationship, I think, you know, be apart for those four months. Get to know each other in more ways than... Cuddling. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Physical touch. Yeah. Yeah. It was good for us. I just I think it's interesting that both with our parents and with you guys that it was the woman that had to like <laughs> to make the 
first move because I'm almost positive that that's going to be my story too, <laughs> by the way. So you guys got married young. Like you were only 20, right? And you were 23. So like how did you learn to live with each other at such a young age? We always talk about that first year of marriage being pretty hard. You know, it's it was a, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a clashing of two very different people and worlds. And you know, we we learned a lot that first year. There was a lot of you know, a lot of fighting, bickering, getting to know each other and it was it was pretty rough that first year. What would you say about that first year? I I concur. It was it was it was rough. It was we come from two very different families. Mm-hmm. Um he's his family's very conservative, quiet, just okay to hang out in a room. My family has is full of big personalities. I'm one of six kids. Every one of us has a big personality. And there was never a dull moment in my house. So it was just combining those two ways of communication was very it was it was very hard for us to learn together well and we were both young so you know that we were both still immature to be quite frank you know we were both immature yeah so all those things combined you know made it so it would be a pretty difficult beginning to the marriage i would say how did you like deal with those difficulties then well, the th- I think one thing is it just takes time. Like you have to, you have to be willing to, you know, to to learn from the other person, learn how they work, and you have to have patience. But really, it just takes time. You know, if you really do want to make it work, and 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 you really do love each other, then you're gonna. You're going to work through it, right? Because it's not, I feel like any marriage, it's not going to come easy. Every family, whether they're both Hispanic families or, you know, one's Hispanic, one's not, you know, any, any race, if you combine two different families, two people from two, two different families, they, each family has their own culture and, own, and their own way of doing things. So it's just a matter of time if you work at it and you you know you're patient you try to be patient and try to be understanding then over time is i i believe how you can really gel and really become you know the the couple and the family that you imagined and i think we should add that we did do i think like two or three sessions of marriage counseling yeah which was like incredibly beneficial to the both of us to have an unbiased opinion of hey you're doing this and you're doing this or let's figure this out or why ways to cope and understand the other's thoughts and this person communicates this way and this person communicates this way and my biggest thing was picking and choosing my battles I mean I think that first year I might have chosen every battle (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting because it's a, a form of ethnocentrism. Have you heard of that word before? <laughs> He's pulling out all the stuff. 
ethnocentrism is it has to deal with like cultures and race where if you're of a certain culture or race you believe that yours is superior or that you're you know yours is better than than others so the way I, the the reason why I bring that up is because when you enter a relationship you know you think that everything that you've done or that your family has done is the right way to do things right so when someone slash tells only you way. slash only way so when someone comes and tells you no that's that's wrong you know the way you're acting is wrong or there's better ways to do this then you know you you can kind of take offense to it right because that's your family that's who you grew up with there's no way that anything that you and your family did, you know, growing up, that, that was that was the right way. Right. But that's not true. You know, we all all of us have flaws. All of our families have flaws. So. You have to you when you realize that and you realize that you are flawed and, you know, that there's other better ways of doing things in a relationship and communicating and everything, then. That's you know, I think those barriers have to be broken in order to to really be open, you know, to new things. I feel like I've gone out with guys that aren't willing to compromise with me. And I feel like that's what you're saying is you have to be willing to, to compromise and realize that other people grew up differently and stuff. So yeah, I like it. Okay. Um, and yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned that you're a bicultural couple. So how have you been able to like adopt both of those cultures? Well, we eat taquitos often, <laughs> so that's one way we've been able to adopt it. I think it was um, incredibly beneficial for me to, and God knew my path. So when I went and lived in Mexico for four months, I was able to partake in that culture and really dive deep into it. Um, and it helped me a little bit understand my in-laws more. I, I don't feel we're in a Spanish horde also. I don't. I feel like my in-laws are a little bit more Americanized than a deep Hispanic family. Um, but being open-minded to, like Javi was saying, better ways. But I, I also think just different ways. It doesn't even necessarily mean one's better or worse or just different ways of life. And being open-minded to, you know, be able to take, I think that's the beauty of bringing two people together is, they grew up in one family, you grew up in another, and you have the choice to say, I loved the way they did this. I loved the way my family did this. I didn't love the way my family did this, or I didn't really love the way my in-laws did this. Like You can kind of pick and choose what you want to take and not take to bring into your own family, which I think is awesome. Tell me about how you've raised your kids with both cultures, too. Yeah, it's... So raising kids has also been, you know, it's been a, a challenge, but I think, I mean, we're doing our best with it. Um, as, as far as kind of bringing both cultures into our children, we, we've tried to teach them Spanish. So that's one thing that we've kind of focused on. And it's been, it's been awesome and fun. It's been hard, though, because it's hard to have your children speak Spanish you know, when you're living in an English speaking nation, right, or community. So we've tried to help them by going to a Spanish ward, you know, we, we go to a Spanish speaking ward, 
they go to a Spanish immersion school. So that we love that, you know, Enzo, our oldest, he half of his day is in Spanish. So it's awesome. And same with Leo in preschool. It was a Spanish immersion preschool. He'll be starting kindergarten this year in the same program that Enzo was. So, you know, with doing that and then, like Stacy said, just um, trying to inculcate good things in them from the different culture, you know, from her culture, from my culture, just doing our best to do that. I think Stacy is a great example of someone who's very open minded um, because she's, you know, very um, open to. I mean, she loves the Hispanic culture. She's she's open to going to our Spanish ward, right, where she grew up in English-speaking ward. And she even herself has learned Spanish very well throughout the years. You know, she's pretty much fluent, I would say, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> That's definitely not true. <laughs> but open-mindedness is a huge part of of really, I think, growing and, and understanding people, too, because... If you're always, you know, judging people or and, and just kind of have your own way of thinking without being open to other ways of thinking, then that's, you know, I feel like that's not a recipe for success. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I feel like I've always been a little bit open-minded, but I didn't really sit and really think about things until I had kids, realizing how... And how much I wanted to do, like, raise them, ways I wanted to raise them, how I wanted to raise them. Um, I've, I'm, I think that we're always talking, thinking, discussing life, yeah. school, friends, family, church. Even, like, world issues, right? Like, you know, racism, you know, all the stuff that's happened in the last couple of years, you know, we, we're doing our best to try to raise open-minded kids in the sense that you, you love, you, you love everybody, right? Whether they're, they have the same color skin of you as you or not, whether they grow up in a different religion as you or not, they do things differently, you know, it's okay. Everyone is different. And you need to, you know, love everybody and be respectful to everybody. Um, I think that's also one thing that I have told my parents. I don't know if I've told my in-laws this, but since having kids, I've realized, you know, as a, as a teenager, at least as a girl, I think boys have these feelings too, where you get in trouble or your parents don't let you do something and you you really think in your head, they're trying to ruin my life, mm -hmm. right? Like they are out to get me. They don't want me to have fun, like all these things. And I remember like after I had kids, I'm like, my parents, they seriously only tried to do what was best for me, what they thought was best. Like every parent is just like, I think this is best. We'll go with this. And in that kid's mind, they think, oh my gosh, they're terrible people. Like, what are they doing? But once, once I became a parent, I was like, they really just, they all, they just did what they thought was best at the time. And it was probably more what was best at the time, but it's, it's, it's crazy how your mind kind of changes that thinking as you 
adapt and experience other things. I I mean, I know I'm biased, but I, I truly like your kids are so amazing. Like truly, they're so well behaved and just so sweet. And I love them so much. <laughs> you are biased. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I get that they're still kids and they're yeah, not yeah. like perfect or anything, but they really are really well behaved. And I, I just wanted to tell you, because that first Sunday that the pandemic hit and that we were having home church, I was with you, Javi in Arizona taking care of the kids, helping you take care of the kids. Yeah, I and was gone, right? Yes. I was on a girls weekend. And, okay, yeah, so we had home church for the first time, and you just, like, taught a really simple lesson about Jesus. Yeah, we saw a short video about Jesus, and then the kids talked about Jesus for a little bit. And it, like, it was so simple, but it made me cry. Like, just, I don't know, just, like, hearing the kids testify about Jesus, it was just so sweet and impactful for me. And I don't even think you realize like how much the spirit was in your home, you know? So, yeah. Um, So do you want to talk more? I mean, you've already talked about gospel principles, but how else have you taught your kids the gospel? You know, we, we just try to talk about Christ, like try to be like Christ, you know, it's really, that's all it comes down to in our opinion is you know there's the church has a lot of activities extracurricular stuff meetings you know all this all this stuff going on but really what we try to teach our children is to be like christ you know so we just try to teach them who christ was how he was you know how he went around healing people teaching people helping people it didn't matter you know, like I was saying earlier, it doesn't matter their their race or religion. He was there to bless and to help everybody. So honestly, that's our, like, that's our um, pl- plan or that's our strategy <laughs> is to just talk about Christ and help them, you know, learn who he was. And that's who we're trying to be like. And I think this, this it was one of the Javi and I talk about the silver linings of the pandemic, like what silver linings we see and all he's him working from home has been an awesome silver lining, things like that. I think the pandemic has been an incredible silver lining religiously for us because um we we'd go to church, learn things at church, our kids would go to primary and learn the things at primary and we kinda just left it at the church. It wasn't it was kind of just a routine for us. And so when it was kind of put, and I'm not saying it was never put in our hands, we should have, we should have had more going on, but when it was kind of put in our hands, it made us think, how do we want to do this? What's important to us? What's important for us to instill in our kids? And we want to focus when they're young, just about the importance of inclusivity and you're not better than the person next to you and love and just kindness, just kindness and respect. Respect. And so we talk a lot about that. And it, I mean, it changes sometimes. My, my son Leo doesn't love shorts. So sometimes they can get really surfacey where we're like, let's talk about summer clothes. But it's just very, 
you know, our kids are still young, so there's no super deep discussions. Yeah, it's just, I guess, different topics, whatever, you know, we think is important and whatever we feel that we need to talk about, then that's what we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, mostly centered around Christ. Okay, so I like to ask all my guests this question. What does it mean to you to consecrate your life to Jesus Christ? To consecrate our lives to Jesus Christ. Well, um, just really focusing on, you know, the reason why we go to church and the reason why we, you know, we got baptized and why we take the sacrament, right, Um, is we're just trying to be like Christ. So whether that is, you know, in my case, like getting, you know, holding a a stable job and, and, you know, making enough money to provide for the family, but also spending quality time with my family and spending quality time with my kids um, and trying to teach them and trying to be a good father. Just really focusing on that, I think that's how I consecrate, you know, that's how we consecrate our lives to Christ is being good people, being good fathers and mothers and being good to our spouse. Yeah. Um, I think what it means for me is just being and doing the best that I can in the situations, trials that I've been dealt with. Um, and just trying to be my best self for my family, my husband and my kids. I think it's really important to realize that that changes, you know, sometimes for me, especially I can give a lot more on some days and other days I can, I can't give anything and that's okay. And I'm in the beginning, it was kind of hard for me because I'm like, I'm exhausted and my kids want to go do this, but I think it might be just a little bit of more TV this afternoon. And I think it's really for myself, it was really good realization for me that I'm giving my best to heavenly father that day. And that's all he asks for is that my kids are healthy. My kids are thriving and maybe more days than others, less days than others. It just goes both ways, but it's just really important it was an important lesson for me to learn and I'm still learning it cause I still deal with guilt all the time, but just giving my best to heavenly father and just saying, hey, this is what I have to offer today. And he takes it and he's like, all right, let's do this. And I've, it's, it's like I said, sometimes it's hard for me. I'm like, it's, I feel guilty, but it's been really good, a good realization of how I can just give my best to heavenly father and, he takes it and enhances it even even more. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. This is great. My thanks to Javier and Stacy. And thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody who could benefit from this conversation, please share it with them. And make sure that you leave a rating or comment as that helps the podcast be more visible. And follow the podcast on Instagram at ConsecratingPod so that you don't miss out on anything that's coming up next. And I'll see you next time.